commitment this summer because you know texas heat mm-hmm. usually summertime warm but after like several weeks of uh, 100 degrees i i made a commitment that i'm not going to complain about the heat you know because you ask somebody here how you doing man it is hot you know that's just that's just a, a, a default and man it's hard to not complain about the heat <laughs> Because, you know, it's kind of like, um, I I guess it would be kind of like living way up in Canada in the wintertime, you know, where it's just so cold, you can't go outside. And, you know, you hit points where it's just so hot, you can't go outside. You know, it's it's, true. You want to just as quick as you can from your house to your car and then your car to wherever you're going and then your car back home, you know, and it's just, it's amazing how heat can change things. That's so funny because I love it. Like you just got back from the Northwest where those days are cold and I'm heading up there next week. And I, I promised ever since I left the Northwest that I would never complain about heat. So I actually really like it. I'll take sweat, roll it down my back over cold any day. Oh, see, I'm a, I'm probably, I'm the exact opposite because I know I can be naked and still be uncomfortably hot. Oh, I but I can always off. I can always put on more clothes. <laughs> That's what people say. <laughs> <laughs> well, this is Sexy Marriage Radio, where we are hoping that you can be naked and incredibly hot with your spouse. <laughs> That's right. Corey Allen and Gina Paris just having some honest conversations about married life and sex and everything and anything in between. And we want to hear from you and would love your thoughts. So send us an email at feedback at sexymarriageradio.com. Or you can call us and use your sultry voices, just like Gina likes to, at 615-56-SEXY-SIX. I thought I was going to say the phone number there, 615-56-SEXY-SIX. Leave us your voicemail. Perfect. So you brought up an interesting uh, question or thought in our pre-show prep of... What is it like, or how can you go about being passionate about life when you're sexually frustrated? Mm-hmm. Because of how seamless those two areas of our life seem to be. Yeah, if you're frustrated in your very innermost part of life, it's hard to have an outward life that's very depending on if, you know, some people are very passionate about life just not their own spouse. So their spouse is the rejected one. Right. So I suppose it's more difficult if you are the higher desire mate who's feeling sexually frustrated. Yeah, because it it is one of those that if you think of a passionate person, to me, passionate, passion has to be shared with somebody. Exactly, which is why it's it's hurtful if you see your mate very passionate about their career passionate about their their everything they're doing at the gym and all the little people in their exercise class maybe or all the people that do their sport with them or if it's a mom and she's really passionate about her children and all their activities but not towards her husband that if it's being shared but not channeled that is Frustrating, absolutely. Right, because it's it, that's where the 
offended spouse, if you will. I mean, I don't know if that phrase actually fits, but yeah. that's where that, that spouse could sit there and saying, hey, everybody else gets the best of you. And I yeah. get dumped on by you because I don't, I don't get that part of you. You know, you don't share that with me. And that, that could be very offensive. Yeah. So that's a good question to explore because we're saying, well, a, a positive response to that is become attractive yourself by going out and living with passion. Right. You bring that passion home and that will make you so the, more attractive. But this, this isn't a guarantee. It's right. A thing but just, that's, woo, that's counsel. Two separate that, tangents. That's counsel to the offended one or the one that's, right. that's, that's feeling left out. And that's that's where we've done the show on how to become more attractive to your spouse, right? And by living, you know, answering your answering the question honestly, would you want to be married to you? And working to make that a, a positive answer that yeah, there's parts of me that are incredibly valuable, and you kind of live according to that because that's going to draw your spouse in and at least pique their interest. But what about to the other side of the equation? What about if it's somebody that's very that that is wants to be passionate about life mm -hmm. and is passionate about life but their sex life is in the tank and so they're frustrated and so those two are constantly you know it seems like the only way you can navigate that is to compartmentalize it as best you can and act like that they don't blend and and feed off each other but in reality they do so what do you do well we create such a story based on the feedback we're getting. So we're, uh, what I tell my clients is to become very aware of the story that you're telling yourself and be very aware of your beliefs. Because you might be scripting a story based on how you project yourself onto their, your mate's actions, and it might be completely false. Okay. So confront what you're doing and, and, and what you're living, what you're portraying? Well, absolutely. Find out what is this that you're really buying into and is it true? Because there's a a, a great chance, man, I'm stuttering and I speak for a living, but there's a great chance that you are compromising your drive for love and connection that is such a driving need as humans that that you're reading all this stuff into your need to be loved and connected and so if your mate is not doing things the way that you wish they were then you are choosing to say I'm not loved he doesn't love me you know I'm I'm the victim here um, I must be ugly and, yet we, and we start to shrink okay. oh, or we just we we react and so instead we can choose to believe what we want to really feed that need for love and for connection so I say write them down and I share an experience that was pretty powerful for me when I was feeling really rejected and I realized that I I wrote down I have talked about this several times when you write down what beliefs are you holding to and acting on that are empowering and so I have some empowering beliefs obviously that's what's got me this far but most of us at the same time we're usually not all one or the other right we have empowering beliefs and we have incompatible beliefs at the same time and so when I put it in writing and said I'm ugly and Paul doesn't love me 
to see it in writing, I thought, well, that's a little bit ludicrous. <laughs> it's kind of an either or, you know? <laughs> yeah. I mean, that, it really sets up a no-win scenario. It does, but I was so living this sulky, victimized persona, this role, because of having that belief. Mm -hmm. So it was as easy as writing down next to it what I want to believe. Okay. And that, and so, and that changed it enough. That it start, changed the way I acted. To start challenging those irrational beliefs. Yeah. And, and making them much more realistic and something that's more positive and pulling you forward. Yes, because if you find yourself at a place of absolute odds with a mate that you otherwise love, you find out that irrational is the perfect word to describe your emotions. <laughs> so you have to step back a little bit and go, what is going on here? This is this is crazy. And what's and so I funny also think, is that uh -huh. everybody outside of that looking in on it would go, God, that's so irrational. How could you believe that? You know, because you look at yeah. You know, you look at the story of, oh, well, look at you. You got everything. For, you know, you guys are great. And, but then when you do it on yourself, it's so easy to just blast yourself because we know all the, the negative baggage things that we carry around that it is, it is really beneficial to make sure you realize where your focus is and what's, what's driving you. Well, it is because you just said that we are aware of our own baggage and usually when our mate makes us very angry it's not that we totally can't stand them it's that they're illuminating something we can't stand about ourselves right and because we can't hide you know we can bluff a lot of other people probably but not our mate right. and so when they cast the light on that thing that we just can't stand about ourselves it's it's so aggravating so that's the time to really lay hold of the truth that's most empowering and walk as if it's true. Walk, you know, are you loved unconditionally? Absolutely. Are you a child of God? Absolutely. Then walk like somebody with a crown on her head and carry yourself with some dignity and strength and laugh at the days to come and be who you're created to be and bring that into to the household. Right. Because uh, it is so disheartening sometimes when our spouse is a mirror. <laughs> of ourselves you know that because that's what you're alluding to is that reflected exactly. self that they notice the things about us that we don't like and that we thought but sometimes we could hide. they don't well you know sometimes they're also not we're just projecting sure but I, i'm also really. i'm of the belief that mm -hmm. the things that i react most quickly to that pam does are the things that i don't like about me absolutely that i act like i can hide but yet right. she's not, you know, purposefully pointing out that this is this you're lazy and you're a slob. She's mm -hmm. just reacting to something that's bothering her. But I hear it as, oh, you're lazy and a slob. And I know that I fight being lazy and a slob. <laughs> and so exactly. I try to act like it's not there. But I got to realize, all right, she's not malicious in what she's doing. She's just being my spouse. She just knows me. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It's not malicious. That is so true. So then how how do we translate that into passion or into a life that's fulfilling? Well, that's where the idea of what we've talked about a lot is using the power of the system to mm -hmm. help motivate change, you know, to help bring about change that 
you know, first off, it starts with personal responsibility and, right. and realizing that I'm sexually frustrated and it takes two people involved to have sex. You know, that's kind of just a given. So how can I up my game in that area of my life? Because then what that starts to do is really bring out what's going on. Because it's so easy to fall into the victim of this belief that, well, you know, I'm so tired. And I've done this. You know, I'm so tired of initiating sex. I'm tired of being the high desire partner. I want to be wanted. So I will just not initiate sex. And we'll see how long it goes before Pam steps up and says, you know, we haven't had sex in a decade. What's going on? You know, and not that it would take that long, but I'm like, wow, okay, maybe it does take a while. And so what do I do? And, but what I've done is if I've done it covertly, which is exactly what I've done, if I make mm -hmm. that decision and just try to act that way, I'm not changing the system. I'm just manipulating things, which is usually only reinforcing the status quo. Absolutely. And you're doing it. That's funny that you said that because I shared that on my call last week. It said, I'm only telling you this so you'll feel really good about yourself because this was a bad idea. And apparently everyone, <laughs> apparently everyone's done it. Sure. I thought, wow. I, I just wasn't used to being in that role. Well, but isn't, the, uh, doesn't it sound on the surface a logical approach that, okay, if, if I want my, my spouse to up whatever theoretically if i make a void she will step in and, and fill that void well it doesn't make sense if you're aware of the energy you're putting out there because i was being <laughs> anything but attractive it's like see another day he's not even making a move towards yeah. me like well. Ooh, who would yikes <laughs> Well, so I guess rather than the question of would you want to be married to you, would you want to have sex with you? That's the same, same kind of spirit. Oh, man. All the people are saying, I am having sex with me. I'm my only available partner. Um, that was an earlier show. Anyhow. But it, it's, it's interesting because if you really want to use the power of the system then you have to make some big moves. And it's not moves that it's an ultimatum of, hey, if this doesn't change, I'm out. You know, it's not at all that. It's it's much deeper than that. It's this idea of, you know, I'm sexually frustrated. You know, I don't feel you're available enough. I don't feel whatever it is. And I would like to increase that part of our relationship. And so it's almost just stating it. And it's not because most of the time, you know, I could hear a listener saying, well, I have. I've been saying it over and over and over. But I'm going to be willing to bet most of the over and over and over statements are a little more accusatory and aggressive as opposed to self-confrontive and solid. Because it's easy to kind of say, well, you never want to have sex. Well, in and of itself, that could be a true statement. Never. Mm -hmm. yeah, I'm not, you can't say never, but you know, you don't want to have sex with me. Well, that could be a true statement. Mm -hmm. But if, if you hear that from a spouse, you're going to react defensively. You're not going to take that and go, you know, you're right. I don't. And, and then they start to explore what's really going on. But what about the mate whose spouse has said, well, God made me this way. So 
you should accept it. Well, then God may have made you to be alone. Yeah, it sounds easy. I mean, it's so harsh. All the, yeah, it's I mean, extremely harsh. It, yeah, it's and this is we're not talking about easy marriage issues here. This is these are mm-hmm. deep seated issues because you have to come to grips with all the messages that we've brought forward about sex and because some of it can just be so skewed and irrational, like you alluded to earlier. Of mm-hmm. you know, I actually just got an email today from a reader, a, a simple marriage reader that you know they've they've been married like three and a half months, and she's struggling with guilt over sex wow but it's like okay this is the area according to our beliefs gina that this is the blessed area for sex this is the time to be celebrated that's where it's the best but the, yet, the euphoria years the early years well no just the marriage just married oh, sex. right right that yeah you know you're now in the arena where according to what we believe it's yeah. it's go for it you know, it's, it, there's no shame in yeah. it, but yet we have so many things we carry forward that we don't necessarily want, or probably if we're ra- la- rational, don't believe, but deep down we still struggle with that. That's what's coming out is okay. Now you have to confront these messages one at a time of where right. did that come from? You know, in my household growing up, it was largely unspoken that don't have sex till you're married. I don't know mm-hmm. if I ever flat out heard that but it was definitely understood you know wow so that's something you have to struggle with and carry because that kind of already then leans itself towards a guilt associated with sex there's something wrong with it and that's not true is it i mean is is there something wrong with sex yeah um Certainly not. I'm, I, I'm thankful I didn't grow up thinking that. The, that this this gift to be unwrapped was kind of the whole way I was always taught it. It's this yeah. beautiful gift to, to be savored and un, unwrapped in this marriage covenant. But that's such a beautiful example of, like you said, it wasn't really spoken. And so often when we have these negative and disempowering beliefs and thoughts and emotions, we haven't spelled them out. They just right. come as a feeling. Right. And so when you can spell it out, it like I did that day when I said I'm ugly and Paul doesn't love me and you know, all kinds of things that tend to mess with us at once and create this cloud of of negative energy. When you write it down, then you can do just what you're saying and very analytically look at it and say, where did I learn this? Right. Who, who specifically, and do, do I really want to model that person anymore? Do they exemplify what I want to be and do and have? Does this belief serve me anymore? Right. And uh, then you can choose to create a higher truth. And somebody said, well, but what if this isn't, it's not just my belief, it's a fact or it's truth, you know? Sure. Well, then what do you do? And so then I like to talk about the idea that gravity isn't just a belief. Gravity is a fact. What goes up must come down. And so if you're um, sort of in bondage to an idea that you think, yeah, but God definitely says this or whatever, then look bigger. There's probably a bigger law in gravity. I call it the law of lift, even though that's probably not the correct term for it. But the fact that we can make an airplane that weighs several tons fly despite gravity means that there's greater truths 
that can lift you up higher towards what you do really want to be and do and have to to reflect who you're called to be. So if it steals and kills and destroys, it's not from the life giver. <laughs> right. And <laughs> what came what came to my mind while you were talking was that those irrational messages that we have interpreted largely, because if you think about it, the things the messages we get as children, there's mm-hmm. they're usually intended and on its value on its face value good. You know, the messages mm-hmm. our parents teach us are good. Because they they want better for us. They want obviously there's exceptions to this, but yeah. large part, most of the messages that are taught are your parents are doing the best they can with what they've got. So right. they're imparting what they can with what they've got. So you can kind of flesh it out of those messages and and pull out the truth of it, the intent of it, and then discard the rest because there is some truth to what we are taught. And, and and when you can acknowledge that, you can disarm some of the ne- the irrational parts of it because you realize, okay, I've gone and skewed that and made some it. Things, some things are irrational from the start. If I'm thinking about bo- things that speak to our body image. Oh, that's true. As women. I mean, those they're just the magazine images that were held up from the time we're little. Yeah. They're skewed from the start. But, yeah, so... Remember, it comes back down, your your whole sexual experience, whether it's great or traumatizing, is going to come down to how you feel about sex itself, right. how you feel about yourself, how you feel about your sweetheart, how you feel in touch with your senses, and how you deal with stress. Right. So in light of all of those, just look at the factors that are playing into them well, and rewrite your yeah, story. It, it becomes a, a deeply personal issue. I mean, it that's, is that's, personal. That's what it is. It, it, it comes down to the core of you it comes down to the core of your belief structure and and what drives you and what you aspire to and who you want to become i mean all those kinds of things come into play so it's one of those that you acknowledge these things as they come up because life presents them and marriage presents them and and sex obviously presents deep-seated issues Mm-hmm. I mean, that's where we come to this this statement of the way you do sex is the way you do life, and the way you do life is the way you do sex. Absolutely. So those play off each other so much. So when you are in a sexually frustrated position, well, then it's time to examine what is it about the, the what's going on that's so frustrating. Is it that, I mean, I fell victim to this, that I believed my wife owed me sex because she was my wife. You know, she, that's, right. she signed on for that. So that meant it's community property. <laughs> you know, she said, I do. Sure. So now all of her belongs to me. Mm-hmm. Not true. <laughs> Not at all true. So I had to examine that and realize, okay, so part of my frustration is I'm expecting sex just because I'm married, but yet I'm not acting worth having sex with. You know, I'm just acting as if I want to uh, use another body. Well, see, that's a good example because I can hear people who love the Bible saying, hey, wait, the Bible says she that her body is no longer her own, but it belongs to you. And then the greater truth is, yes, but the the big picture is husbands love your wives and give yourselves for her. So there's always, you know, there's the there's always a spirit of the law that lifts and it gives life and it 
it encapsulates every kind of energy that is every kind of love I mean right it's sexy love and friendship love and unconditional love and it's enticing right well and I, I think we have to be careful when it comes to what dictates our life because if you go I, I'm full a full believer in the power of scriptures mm-hmm. but scriptures are in context there's for specific things exactly. that they are the majority of the new testament is written towards but yet we have taken it and said oh well that means it applies to everything well mm-hmm. i don't know maybe maybe not maybe right. that, maybe and it's it, more of a story and there's an intent and a theme that's being talked about not a specific edict that's being talked about right and it's always a two-edged sword which means it has the power to give life right. or or have the letter of the law right. that which kills is, which is the same thing we talk about when it comes to marriage that there's mm-hmm. there's a specific we're not talking about specific edicts of marriage right right we're talking about what works in our marriage and maybe it helps mm-hmm. other people but we're also talking about principles of marriage and sex and how those principles are true and it's just whatever you do with them. Gravity is true, mm-hmm. so what do you do with it? Right. You know, love is true. What do you do with it? Systems and the power of that is true. What do you do with it? How do you harness that power? You know, you. I think of it as the relational system. You think of it as the energy within us. Mm-hmm. You know, and that's they're they're the same kind of concepts fundamentally. Yeah. But how they play out and what we do with them to harness them is different. Yeah, the bottom line from both perspectives is that you're infinitely more powerful than you think. (laughs) (laughs) Anything that you see right now with your eyes is subject to change in a moment. Yep. Yep. Because that's just the way as life changes mm -hmm. and as, you know, I've I've had to re-examine some of my own belief structures from just a couple years ago. Sure. You know, uh, you know, business wise, simple marriage and now sexy marriage radio and these kinds of different things we do online started as just kind of a hobby. Mm. But over the last couple of years, I've had to reexamine them and make them into a business. And that's it. Those are two different things. But the belief going into a hobby versus a belief going into a business will dramatically influence what happens. So, well, yeah, and the bottom line between that is, well, is one more noble? Is it more noble to give? Like, should everything be given? Yeah, we all have these beliefs that dictate how we see ourselves, how we see others, how we interact in the world, and, and what we experience. So that's very cool. Yeah, because most of what we fight about and get frustrated about in marriage, they're not, it's not moral value-based stuff. It's, it's yeah. what makes me comfortable. It's what brings me relief from my own hurts and ills and anxieties. You know, I have a way I want to soothe myself. Pam has a different way. And when those butt heads, it's tough, you know, (laughs) because sometimes, you know, honestly, sometimes sex is just an anxiety release more than it is I'm seeking a connection. But... If I'm, if I'm truly seeking just that release and I am upfront and honest with her about that, I increase the likelihood she's going to see what I'm thinking of and, okay, I'm cool with that. Exactly. As opposed to I try to act like and manipulate and, and 
put on this show that, oh, what I'm really seeking is you. But no, I'm not. I'm just seeking release. So she sees that and she's, you know, she knows that. So of course she's going to be repulsed by that if that's not what she's into at the moment, you know? So it's just this whole, all right, I got to be congruent with my own self more and more each day. Yep. I mean, that's, that's that phrase that you, that you threw out a couple of shows ago. Yeah. Being in, being in integrity with yourself. Yeah, it's a good way to live. It, it's and the surprisingly, best way. surprisingly, things go much better than you think they will. <laughs> surprisingly. When you look at that at face value, there's nothing surprising about that at all. You I mean, know. wait, if I'm a good person, things work out better? What? <laughs> if I'm honest, I'm, I'm you, honest. Absolutely. you got to be joking. That can't be true. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know it's true. That's right. And that's where the best life happens. That's where the best sex happens. When you can bring your best self that's authentic to the playground of life. Yeah. Even in your shallow moments. Bring your authentically shallow self. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, this has been Sexy Marriage Radio. Glad you joined us. Love yeah. your feedback. If you've listened this far and are liking what you've got what you're getting, go to iTunes. Tell us what you think. And wherever you are, whatever you're doing. Be great. Yep. Live with passion. See you next time. Bye.